From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home. A long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Daniel J. Duke, the great-great-grandson of the outlaw train robber Jesse James. And he is here to talk about Lost Templar Treasure. And uh, let me just crib here from the the back of uh, this fine book, Jesse James Left Behind, Secret Diaries and Coded Treasure Maps. Working to decrypt these maps, Daniel J. Duke, the great-great-grandson of Jesse James, reveals hidden treasures yet to be recovered as well as connections between the infamous train robber and Freemasonry, the Knights Templar, the Founding Fathers, and Jewish mysticism. Daniel explains how Jesse faked his death and lived out his final years under the name James L. Courtney, see Hour 1. He explores James' affiliation with the Knights of the Golden Circle, a secret society that buried Confederate gold across the United States, and shows how the hidden treasures coded into James' maps were not affiliated with the Knights of the Golden Circle, but with Freemasons, the Knights Templar, and the treasure of the Temple Mount using sacred geometry, gematria, and the Kabbalistic Tree of Life symbol, Daniel explains the encoded map technique used by the Freemasons to hide and later recover treasures, an esoteric template known as the Veil. He shows how the Veil template confirms the locations of Jesse James' recovered treasures in Texas, as well as other suspected treasure locations such as the Oak Island Money Pit, and the Victorio Peak in New Mexico. Daniel is, as I say, the great-great-grandson of Jesse James. I think he's proven that just, uh, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt. He grew up surrounded by stories of lost outlaw treasures, and for more than two decades he has researched the mysteries involving his family, Freemasonry and the Knights Templar, and he joins us from Texas. So, let's talk about the gold. I mean, how much... Money? Do we know how much gold and and treasure and money did he steal? Do we have any way of knowing? That's a good question, and I don't have the answer to that. Um, he was said to have larged, well, well, or larged. He was said to have stolen large amounts of gold in different at different times from trains. One other thing, you asked me earlier what all he he had robbed. I said banks, stages, and trains. He, there's also a legend that they robbed a mule train with, uh, I believe it was 40 mules loaded with gold. And the legend of that treasure is also located on the template. Uh, I believe it was recovered, but that, that was another thing they had robbed. Um, and it, that's a 40 mules, each one loaded with gold. And I believe a mule would be packed with around 75 pounds each. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not, I've, heard, I've, I've heard 75 pounds is one number that a mule would carry. You know, especially over long distances. So, right, right. Yeah, do the math. I mean, uh, uh, um, I think 
On another program, I mentioned I was trying to do the math of how much gold. Yes, and I was five times forty. That would be three thousand pounds of gold. Right, and then, but I, I think on an earlier program, I mentioned okay, sixteen ounces, but a troy ounce is twelve ounces. That's true. Right, and then so you're looking at uh, multiply that by in today's dollars by fourteen hundred dollars roughly an ounce. Uh, yeah, it's just beyond imagination. I think, I think yeah. After that show, I, I remember I I worked that out real quick, and I believe it was twenty. Oh, two! It was like two hundred and twenty million dollars for that one that I that we had talked about. Right, right. Now, did he itemize his robberies at all in his diaries? You know, Not on in this his diaries. No, no. Uh, he didn't itemize anything. I think another thing about the diary. I mean, he had written his. He had signed J. James in the diary, so I I feel certain he felt secure that that you know that wouldn't fall into the wrong hands, but. Um, or if it did, he was also known to be the type, you know, if, if it came down to it, it, it was going to be a fight to the death kind of thing in a lot of cases. So maybe he just knew if they did, if somebody did get the, the diary, it would be over his dead body. Right. Um, so. And so when did we learn, or when did you learn about Jesse James' involvement in Freemasonry and also about these legendary encrypted or encoded maps leading to the treasures. One of the items, along with the photographs in the diary that were passed down through the family, was a treasure map. And the treasure map wasn't the original. He had his own treasure map, and after he died, his son Byron had made a copy of the map. I don't know where the original is, but we have the copy that Byron made. And it had codes in it, odd symbols. It didn't have, you know, like I always expected a treasure map to have Kind of like those old pirate maps you see online or on movies, you know, an X marking the spot, and it's, you know, 40 paces from the old oak tree kind of thing. But this map wasn't like that. It had codes in it. It also had geometric figures and a strange drawing that almost looks like a man with a hat. He had the cardinal directions, north, south, east, and west, a drawing of the sun with a kind of a mean face, and it was shining in in line with several of the geometric figures he had drawn on the map. That was very hard to figure out. The codes weren't so hard. You just substitute the numbers for letters, work with it, and eventually figure it out because he had, luckily he had also supplied a few letters in the codes which fit the words that it spelled. I think they call that the Pythagorean screed, right? A equals 1, Z equals 26, you know, B I is 2, C so. is 3, right? I think so. Okay, so you could spell out words using numbers, or vice versa, you could indicate numbers with words. Exactly. Also, yeah. in his diary, he had the same codes, which always caught our interest, because in reading the diary, you could, you're could you going along just reading normal writing, and then one day, all of a sudden, there's you know a, a paragraph with codes in it, and it was the same type of code. It took a while, but I figured out how to, how to work it out, and it wasn't real hard, and, but... You know, it, it just catches you off guard. You're reading this, and all of a sudden there's this code, and that just really draws you in. So you had the diary first before the map? We had the di- we had the map and the diary. The, ah. the, the map okay. first. The map we had first. That was given to us by my great aunt, who was also in a photograph with Jesse, the one where he's holding the pistol, I mean the uh, rifle. Um, all, it, and that was in 1943 when that was taken. But anyway, she gave us the map, and then we got we had the diary passed down through another. Um, that's a 
there's a lot. I, there's several more out there, but I don't know who has has them. Several so, other maps. Yeah, well, maps and also diaries. You mean copies of the same one or different maps? Different. I believe different maps. It may be a copy of the same one, but on the diaries, they're different diaries. Ah, different volumes covering yeah, I different. I would love to have a copy of. Sure. Them, just to know what they said. So. Describe this map. I know that it's a copy made by his son Byron, but describe it. I mean, how much area does it? In, is it one state, the entire United States, all well, of North America? The one map that was passed down was somewhere in that area, I believe, uh, in Blevins, Texas. Just it's uh, just covering the the town of Blevins. Yes, that just either either the town or somewhere in around his farm on for that one particular map, but. Uh, See, when I first started this, I thought, oh, and also, when he joined Freemasonry, I don't have any proof that he was in it before or while he was using the name Jesse James. I, but I do have proof that he joined. He was a member of a lodge under his alias as a peaceable farmer. He, he had joined a lodge in his area and was a, a Freemason, and that's on record. It's easily verified. Um, the, uh, when I first started looking for his treasure, I thought, you know, maybe I'll find a saddlebag with gold or a, coin, uh, a jar full of coins, and at, at the most. And, but I couldn't figure out the map or the template, um, and I, had, I don't believe I've mentioned the template yet. No, we haven't discussed the template. This is like a grid. Yeah. Uh, a grid because if you're going you're gonna to draw an area of land, and let's say that the... You know, the map isn't discovered or you don't start looking for the treasure for maybe 50, 100 years until, you know, afterwards. That land it could be totally different. There could be buildings where there used to be a farm. There could be, uh, you know, there could be a, a, f- a floodplain where there, there used to, you know, or a dam uh, uh, or an entire forest could be erased. So the geographical... Um, you know, formations in that will change over time. But if you put a grid over it, that remains constant. Right? That's right. That's exactly right. Okay. So that's the grid or the template. So where did uh, that template came from somewhere? I mean, he where did that knowledge come from to put that template there? Okay. When I first started researching this, I had believed that Jesse was part of a secretive, you know, everybody, had, all these people had said it, treasure hunters and different websites were claiming that Jesse was part of the Knights of the Golden Circle. And they were a secretive southern group during the war. They were a southern, uh, you know, for the Confederacy. They were a secret society, and they, their goal during the war was basically to cause trouble for the northern troops. Right, they supposedly supported, sponsored... Uh, John Wilkes Booth, Lincoln's assassin. I don't know if that's been proven, that's, but that's, that's the claim. That's another story I've read. I've read that too. Right. Um, so you know, they, there's all these there's all these stories about them during the war, and I thought, well, you know, both sides of, of both sides in any war are going to have covert groups that burn bridges and slow down troop movements and things like that. So that didn't shock me at all. And uh, but they said after the war ended. The, the Knights of the Golden Circle, which are known as the KGC, they would, their goal was supposedly changed from, you know, do, they, there was no longer a war, but their new goal was to for, get enough money in any way they could to refund a second civil war. And that's, that was how, you know, that's explained with the Knights of the Golden Circle and that they buried catches across 
the Americas, Mexico, Canada, and the United States with that goal in mind. And I thought, well, maybe that's true. I don't know. Uh, so I started researching more into that. And, uh, you know, I'd come across, when you, anytime you're researching the Knights of the Golden Circle and treasure, you'll find this. It's called the KGC template. So I thought, okay, I've got this template. Does it work? Or, and if so, how does it work? Um, I believe, well, it came, this template was first released by a man named J. Frank Dalton, a guy who wrote books for him. Um, I think his name was Orvis Lee Hawk. As in the um, Dalton gang? Yeah, well, it, it, there's a lot of claims about J. Frank Dalton, and some of them are insane. They said he was a New York senator. He, they, they claim he was Jesse James. He was also a senator from well, Wyoming or Montana. He lived in New York. Um, all kinds of there's there's all kinds of, of wild stories about that guy. Uh, he, his stories never they never stand up to scrutiny. Um, there's I know some good people who believe that story. They're just they believe it for whatever reason. But it can't. There's no proof. There's no evidence other than hearsay. So my mother debunked that story. Um, and I hate that word debunk. It sounds so negative, but that that's what happened. Uh, she proved that he wasn't Jesse, and if she had written a lot about that in her books. But he had lived for a while in Marble Falls, Texas, in a hotel right across from my great-grandmother. And I believe that's where he got a lot of the information from my grandmother. Uh, he had, he'd been there for quite a while, and they had even spoken. Um, not my grandmother, my great-grandmother, who was Jesse's daughter, uh, Ida. Well, anyway, I believe that's how he got the template. And the template, I thought, okay, if it works, then it should match some of these spots. But I didn't know any dimensions, any scale, anything. So I thought, I I need to find out where treasures were before I can even attempt it using this template. And fortunately, around that time, my mother had been speaking a lot with a former former Texas attorney general, Wagner Carr. Uh, Wagner Carr sent his driver out to, to show us where several treasures were, and they, those treasures had been recovered. So, and were they I, able to? They were they able to couple those treasures with your great great grandfather? How, how how so? Yeah, well, after they had showed us those, and that's a good question. Uh, they showed us the locations. It was two locations, and they were supposedly very large treasures. Uh, and I don't have any reason to doubt him. You know, was a Texas, he was a Texas attorney general at the, or a former attorney general. But uh, he, he showed us those, and I thought, okay, there's two spots, and I've got that, but it's, I still couldn't get the template to work. Well, uh, at the same time, shortly after that, a man named George Roaming, who was a, a 32nd degree Freemason and Shriner, had uh, contacted us and told us he was an elderly man, when he was 10 years old and Jesse was an old man, George was sworn, Jesse swore him to, an, to secrecy and hired him to move 680 bars of gold, each one weighing about 15 pounds each. Is that the one from the mule train robbery? I, I don't know. I, I, believe, I don't believe it is. I think it's a different one. The, the mule train robbery was said to have been coins, and ah, this, this okay. was... Uh, 15 pound ingots. Oh my god, 650 15 pound bars. Yeah, 680 ah. bars and they were 15 pounds each. All right. 
So, you know, that that's a lot of gold, a whole <laughs> lot of gold. Yes. Uh, they moved it in a large wagon that was called a dray. It was meant for loot, uh, for moving heavy, you know, heavy loads. Uh, they, they took it about 20 miles. He drew a map for us and showed where it was buried exactly on the map, which uh, he, he asked us, you know, to go out and find it. So <laughs> we happily obliged. We went looking for it. It fi- We found out it real quickly. It's uh, the, the location is beneath a lake on Fort Hood property, the, you know, the military base. Under so, a, a man-made lake? Yes, it was a man-made lake. Ah, and it, that lake was for, was the dam was built in 1954. So you know it was after the well after the the end of the second war second world war. Jesse was already dead. He'd been dead 11 years. Uh, George um, he 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 was sworn to secrecy for and he never told anybody. He said the other men the other people involved were all dead. He knew that for a fact, and he thought it could very well still be there. So he showed us the location, but that even if you know, even though I'm not going to even attempt it at trying to, to locate that any you know any further than I already know, um, because it's on a military base. But it gave me the location, a third location of a known treasure site, and it fit the template perfectly. That was when I was able to use the template and figure out. The dimensions and size, and you know how all the distances and everything. That was the key I needed, and it it broke open the whole story. Uh, I still didn't know if it was KGC at the time, but it also lined up. Jesse's treasures lined up with the other known treasures that Wagner Carr had mentioned or had his driver show us, and it also lines up with the uh, one near Jesse's farm. So. I think the one that it lines up near his farm is the one that ties in with the map that was passed down through the family. Right. But there may be other maps. There may be other hidden gold in other parts of the country. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I went from there. That one template actually makes up, and I found this out over a period of years. It, It didn't happen overnight, but I started lining the templates up next to each other, and it makes a grid system like you had mentioned, and that makes perfect sense to me. Because if the you know if the topography of the land, all the features in the land, the trees, hills, all kinds of things can change drastically over just a few decades, and especially these days with all the developments popping up, if you have a grid system, you don't have to worry about the topography. You know exactly where it is. Right. Right. And it lines up. I started covering Texas with the grid, and then I worked out. I started finding out that it lined up perfectly with known historic sites and known locations of other treasures that had been recovered. And that's where Victoria Peak fell into the picture. Let me grab a quick call here. Rudy, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Daniel, uh, if Jesse James didn't get shot in 1882, uh, why did the shooter, what was his name, Ford? Yes. Why would he make up the story that he was standing on a chair hanging a picture? Wouldn't he know that that would make him sound kind of cowardly? That's a good question. It's a great question. And I've wondered the same thing. Why did he come up with that story? All the forensics, they've even had former FBI agents who were gun experts. They knew all about bullets and what they would do. He was supposedly shot him with a forty-four. Now, we know at a close range, a forty-four is an extremely powerful weapon, and that would have gone through his head. Yet the bullet didn't exit the head. There was no exit wound. 
it would have gone in at a weird angle. None of it adds up and none of it works out. I don't know why Bob Ford would say that. I think he was extremely nervous because they were jailed. And I don't think they thought the reaction to the death would be as negative towards them as it was. Uh I I know he was nervous. They gave different statements. And I think they just came up with some excuse to explain why he was supposedly take his guns off and stand on a chair under a low ceiling to dust a picture. It didn't. None of it made sense. Uh-huh. Okay, thank you. All right, Rudy, thank you for the call. We've got about a minute here, so let's um, we'll head on into a break. Okay. When we come back, we'll get you to sort out what your great-great-grandfather had to do with the Knights Templar, for crying out loud. This was the Holy Order of the Vatican that was supposedly charged with guarding pilgrims to the Holy Land and and supposedly they may have found some treasure in Solomon's Temple, the site of the first Jewish temple, maybe even Herod's Temple, the second temple, and then who knows what they did with it, spirited it away, some say even to North America, to Oak Island off of Nova Scotia. What does all that, though, have to do with the outlaw Jesse James? Well, his great-great-grandson, Daniel J. Duke, is here to explain, and he'll do just that. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Daniel J. Duke is here, the great-great-grandson of the outlaw train robber Jesse James. And the book is Jesse James and the Lost Templar Treasure. About six years before Jesse James, James L. Courtney, uh, died, a gentleman by the name of Milton Ernest Doc Noss... Uh, was in the Hambrillo Basin area of New Mexico, and he was, uh, he was, uh, he was I guess he was on a, a small outcropping. He was waiting to, um, he was scanning the area to shoot a deer. He was hunting. He sat down and he noticed air coming from a hole beneath the rock he was sitting on. He moved the rock, and what did he find, Daniel? He was said to have found a shaft that went straight down into the, the Victoria Peak. And uh, upon further investigation, he, he went down into the shaft and was, he, you know, I guess he had a dim light with him, um, probably a lantern. And he, he had gone, he, he noticed there was a big, a long cavern. Um, it was, appeared to be man-made and that there were, it was stacked, lined with all these bars. He thought it was pig iron for some reason. Uh, the bars were painted a dark color, they said painted black, and uh, he, he found a lot of other items in there later, but when he brought the bar out, he had his wife with him uh, when he had done that, and she scraped, she scraped the side of the uh, bar with something and noticed that gold shined through uh, the outer coating. And he said, you know, he was quoted as saying something along the lines of, if that's gold and all that you know, all, all the other bars down there will be richer than John D. Rockefeller. So uh, uh, later on, he discovered a lot of other uh, skeletons chained. He said to have discovered skeletons chained to the floor. And I can't remember the number of skeletons they said was chained, but it was quite a few. Um, he also found a crown. Yeah, a tiara, a crown. Uh, he also found, a, I believe it was a sword encrusted with jewels. It, it almost sounded like 
treasure that belonged to royalty. He also found some documents, uh, some dating back to 1797. That's true. Um, he found a translation of a letter. It was the, the translation was dated 1797, and it was a translation from uh, the writings of Pope Pius III, who had, you know, he, he had reigned a short time. I believe his reign was the shortest reign in the Vatican. In that they've got, it was, he, he, he reigned for about a month. It was September 22nd in the 1500s. I can't remember the exact date off the top of my head. Um, but it was in the 1500s, which predated, you know, it, that, that was long before the founding of the U.S. It was long before the KGC ever existed. And that's what started to shed a, a lot of doubt in my mind on, the, on any connection with that and the KGC. So, so in other words, this this treasure, which was worth an estimated, I mean, something like sixteen thousand bars of gold, uh, each bar weighing forty pounds each, divided by twelve troy ounces, multiplied by fourteen hundred dollars. Uh, anyway, uh, three billion dollars at the time, uh, worth an estimated three hundred three billion dollars. Obviously, though, this is not connected to Jesse James, or is that, it? That's. I don't believe. Well, I believe it's connected to the same same people uh, throughout the centuries, but it wasn't connected to him directly. If that makes sense. <laughs> well, you're going to help us make sense of that. Okay, so, good. So let's uh, let's say, for example, that this treasure in New Mexico was hidden there by whom? The the the, the Knights Templar. A lot of people believed or something that people. People tried to attribute it to all types of, uh, you know, some people said it was a KGC, which it's obviously, in my opinion, it has nothing to do with them. It predates them by centuries. Other people claimed that it belonged, that uh, Chief Victorio had attacked enough wagons and other shipments or, or mule trains or something to, to amass that. Um, it doesn't make sense that Victorio, one man in a small, operating in a fairly small area, uh, would have been able to gather that much wealth. I mean, the, the wealth that was said to have been in there, it, it surpassed the amount of gold that the Spanish had taken from the New World back to Spain in the entire time they were doing that. So, you know, that, that was a lot of gold. And another reason it, it discounts the KGC, if their goal was to refund the Second Civil War, there was more than enough in Victorio Peak alone to have done that. So... Um, there, there was a lot of questions on that. My, I believe it was done by over time by uh, Freemasons and also the Knights Templar involvement. Because a lot of people, you know, when you say Knights Templar, um, they they had they didn't end in 1307. They continued on. You know, when they were said to have been raided by the French. Right. Um, they went underground. Yeah, yeah. They went underground, and over the years, I believe they amassed that. They, they had agents everywhere, you know, other Templar, and I believe groups of them were operating basically around the world, or the Western world at least, and also in the New World, and I believe that's where it came from. It was the Templar and the Freemasons. Just a, a postscript on the Victorio um, uh, Peak in New Mexico, and the gentleman that was trying to recover that treasure, $3 billion worth, um, or in excess of 14,000 gold bars weighing 40 pounds each, gold crowns, diamond-encrusted swords, you name it. Uh, as you point out in the book, 
he he was trying to sort of in, enlarge the the area of excavation so it would make it easier to get through the tunnels and he he was using dynamite which caused a cave in and so the, 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 he was basically sealed off from the treasure and then later he ends up getting shot in the back of the head by one of his business partners that's right he, they said that, you know he had to go underground because at the time the uh, uh, it, gold was illegal to own and he was trying to sell all this the story goes that he was trying to sell this any way he could you know on the black market so he could get some money and uh, he he kept changing partners he even left his wife he, he was so paranoid he just started he left his wife married another lady um, kept changing business partners didn't trust anybody and his paranoia seemed uh, but based on his story, it seemed as it just kept increasing, and you know his paranoia, and he ended up shot in the head. Hmm. And plus, dealing dealing in the black market, you're going to run across that kind of risk very quickly, I think, especially when there's any kind of wealth involved. Right. And but his wife would continue to try and pursue the gold, except that what happened here? We have another military base coming into the picture, just like Fort Bragg with the with the uh, Jesse's gold buried underneath that man-made lake. What happened with this particular parcel of land. Yeah, well, that was um, the White Sands Missile Range. They they extended their base, and it encompassed that area. <laughs> In uh, 1955. No accident, I'm guessing. I, I, yeah, I, I wonder that, too. <laughs> but he, uh, um, they, they expanded their base. It encompassed that area. It was shut down. You know, nobody could, nobody could dig there. Or, or recover the gold. His wife, whose name was Babe, she uh, she tried and she took him to court. Eventually, she got permission to go back and try to recover anything that may be there. And it, there was, they found nothing. Hmm. Uh, I think it was, you know, pretty much emptied out by then. Um, and in a way, you know, I can see why she would want that. She thought that, you know, that was their discovery. She found it, but at the same time. After all the research I've done, I I have to say I'm glad that it was protected, and I I don't know if it ended up in the military's hands or if it was moved before they could get to it. I don't know how that worked. There's a lot of questions there too. Um, it, it it goes it gets real complicated on some of that, and especially when there's no proof of who who ended up with it. It's right. kind of hard to to. Uh, Decide, but I think I think we both know. <laughs> I, 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 it's almost like I want to say it, but I don't want to say it. But yeah, the military base encompassed the area, and the gold was no longer there. Aha! Uh-huh. Uh, I think we can connect the dots. All yeah. right, we'll take another time out when we come back. Let's try and figure out then what the connection was between the Knights Templar, even Jewish mysticism, Kabbalah, and the outlaw Jesse James and his hidden treasure. His great-great-grandson, Daniel J. Duke, stays with us for the duration. Don't go away. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Just want to give a quick shout-out for everyone who's hanging out in the uh, live chat on the YouTube channel. Weiwei and American Zero, Not Gord, Ozark Yeoman, Wayne Thiltgen, You Betcha, Raz Fitz, Josh. Thank you all for uh, joining us every week. Oh, Baji Kimron, 
Quiet Storm 1323. Thank you all. Uh, you're so loyal and faithful. I appreciate you're dropping by on the YouTube channel, which of course is Strange Planet. Don't forget to hit that red sub button on your way out. We are approaching 17,000 uh, subscribers. All right, just a few moments remain with Daniel J. Duke. So we, we mentioned this amazing treasure discovered in New Mexico, now part of the White Sands Missile Range. And, you know, then we have, we, we of course hear about Oak Island, the money pit there off the coast of Nova Scotia. No one has ever been able to find anything, although there are legends and rumors, etc. Some people con- connect that to the Knights Templar. But again, what does this have to do with Jesse? Okay, Jesse being in the, the main proof on that, that he was involved with all of this, was that First of all, you know, he was a Freemason, and being a Freemason ties him in with all of this, but beyond that, the treasures he buried are located on the exact same template, the Veil template, that all the other historic sites and other treasures are located on that tie back with the the Templar, the Freemasons, and the Founding Fathers and the Templar, Um, and Francis Bacon and all those guys that, uh, I mean, I traced this back, well, I'm trying to keep from getting ahead of myself, but uh, his treasures that he buried are located on the exact same template that all the others are, are located on. How would he have known that? I believe when he became a Freemason, he had... he, he I don't know what how, how it happened. Um, I don't have any proof on, you know, how that happened, but um, it hit, all I know is, you know... His treasures were located on the same template that all the other treasures and historic sites are located on. And it's a good question. There's a lot of mysteries still involved that need to be solved. But he, um, he I know he was a Freeman, and all the ties around him and other, other uh, basically, that, that's the quickest way I could answer it without getting too detailed. But all his treasures were located on the exact same you know, template that all the other treasures were located on. So at some point, as a Freemason, he became aware of the location of these other caches of treasure that were left across North America by the the the, uh, the Knights Templar, who were fleeing persecution from the Vatican. Uh, and they had, I mean, consider, you know, the Knights Templar, they're the ones that started the modern banking system. They had so much gold. And so then they had to create a place to store that gold, and they became banks. And then rather than carrying gold around, you got a little note saying, this is how much gold I have stored in the bank. And then that, that became eventually, that be, that was an IOU, that became currency, money. This all goes back to the Knights Templar. So, you know, on all of that treasure, the, the, if they in fact, you know, put it on uh, ocean-going vessels and sailed it across to the New World and buried it, and uh, that knowledge was then imparted to those that would eventually become Freemasons, and that became known to Jesse. So, in other words, he knew uh, the the methodology behind their their maps, the treasure maps of the Knights Templar. He decided to use the same methodology, the same grids, and in fact, or the same grid system. And then he decided to bury his treasure in the same general in the same locations as some of the other the lost templar treasures yes and well you know he he had proven himself basically if you look at 
the Templar, they had been outlaws as well after 1307. They had, you know, they had, they were very honorable, but they had, you know, they were raided. They had a jealous French king, and the Vatican, the Pope at the time, was basically described as being under the control of the jealous French king, and, you know, that that's what started all the trouble, and they, the, the, out, the uh, Templar were basically outlawed, except for in Scotland, who had been, um, oh, Scotland was in, in a lot of trouble with, with the Pope at the time, so, and they weren't very fond of the Pope, so, you know, they, that was a perfect place for the, the Templar to flee, but they were also, um, uh, Portugal was very friendly with the Templar as well. So, you know, they had a few places of refuge to go, but they, they were considered outlaws by, you know, much of the Western world at that time. So, and Jesse, he was considered an outlaw, but he also had a lot of honor. As, as a peaceable citizen living under his alias, he joined the Freemasons, and I believe he proved himself to someone. He had to have, to have been given this knowledge and being, become a part of this. Uh, listen, we'll take a time out. Daniel will come back and continue to talk about your great-great-grandpappy, Jesse right. James and the Lost Templar Treasure, Secret Diaries, Coded Maps, and the Knights of the Golden Circle, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Welcome back. Just a few moments remain with uh, Daniel J. Duke. I neglected to mention a couple of people on the uh, the YouTube live chat. Thinker. Hello, Thinker. Yes. And LetterTube. <laughs> I love these handles. I don't know what they mean. Uh, oh, Philip Blair and Bella. I, I miss them, too. Anyway, thank you all. So why why bury the gold and stash it away? It, um, I mean, what was its purpose? If it wasn't, you know, the, the original theory that the golden... Uh, the Knights of the Golden Circle were gonna were going to use this gold to launch a second civil war, but if that's not what Jesse was about, what did he intend that unimaginable wealth to be used for? Well, a lot of people throughout history, especially with with this gold, you know, you couldn't trust a lot of people. You couldn't trust banks. Even back in the you know the early 1900s, people had what that what were referred to as a, a fence post bank. And that they, you could even find, I, I believe it was Sears catalog that even sold them. It was a little, little uh, metal vault that, kind of like a vault, a safe. You could attach it to the bottom of a fence post and drive it into the ground and keep your, your wealth in a fence, you know, beneath the fence post. Um, a lot of people didn't trust banks. They didn't trust uh, any economic upheavals during, you know, especially like during the Civil War. If your money was in the bank, you probably lost everything you had um, in in a lot of areas. So the best way to you know when when you're when you're when you have that much wealth, you can't make it known. A lot of it was secret. A lot of it was also of a sacred nature from the Holy Lands. You know, not just the uh, the temple in Jerusalem, but also from like Timothy Hogan, who's the the current Grand Master of the the Knights Templar, author and lecturer. He had mentioned that. The, uh, the Templar went in before the Crusades to secure and protect items of spiritual and historical value, along with treasures, that had been uh, to, to protect them from the, the Crusades, the war that they knew was coming. And they're basically the custodians of it. So they, 
that was one of the main reasons it started. They started, you know, they had the treasure. They were outlawed. They had to find a place to, to, to put this that was safe. And they wanted to follow. They all, all these people were persecuted, as, as you had mentioned, through, for, for centuries. Different groups, the Muslims, any, uh, the Templar, anybody, uh, the Jewish people, anybody who didn't agree with the Catholic Church at the time were persecuted. And they, were, they needed and sorely wanted a place of refuge, a place they could, they could live without having you know, the, the, new, the threat of a noose or the burning at the stake hanging over their head. That would be America. Yes. And that was the whole goal, the, the treasures in, in, the, in the words of Timothy Hogan, the grandmaster of the Tenth Knights Templar, he said Daniel Duke has successfully cracked open part of the mystery surrounding the Templar treasure from Jerusalem that had been moved to the Americas to help establish a, establish a free nation. And um, that that says it all. So he, so did, did your great-great-grandfather then intend for this gold to be discovered by the U.S. Treasury Department and it was to be spent on behalf of all Americans? I don't know. I don't know that what his intention... Well, I know he, he intended to bury it and keep it safe. Some of this stuff may have been recovered to help America... So, we were trying to connect the dots between Daniel J. Duke and the Freemasons and the Knights Templar, but then it gets even more complicated because um, there is this, um, this symbol in, in Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, the Tree of Life, and somehow that finds its way into Jesse's maps, correct? That's true. What, is, what did your, your great-great-grandfather know about Kabbalah? Uh, well, I, that, was, that was a good question, and I had no idea what that, you know, I, I had no idea at the beginning. As I started researching, it led me to the writings of Albert Pike, uh, Manley Palmer Hall, and other Freemasons, which led me to Maria Bauer Hall, who was the uh, wife of Manley Palmer Hall. Who, he was a famous 33rd degree Mason author and lecturer, but uh, at, throughout Albert Pike's book, Mor- Morals and Dogma, he had mentioned Kabbalah throughout the entire book, um, and he he had a, di- a diagram of the Tree of Life, and that's what got me. I started researching more into Kabbalah, and all these all the pieces started falling into place uh, perfectly. That led me to the founding fathers, you know, Mason. I was trying to find a family tree that connect, kind of like a family tree. It connects all these people back to its source, and at the time, I had no idea who came up with this. And I, I, it was a, a question that, just for my own satisfaction, I wanted to answer. And at first I thought Francis Bacon was the guy who started all this. I know he was a genius. He, uh, he was also the founder of modern-day Freemasonry. And, and uh, he, you know, he had ties in with the Rosicrucians, alchemists, and all these other things. He wrote a book titled um, The New Atlantis, and that was basically a, a blueprint for what America was supposed to be. Um, that, But until, you know, I found out he wasn't the guy who started this all. He had connections like a John Dee, who was his mentor, famous um, alchemist, and he was the original 007. It ties back through there all the way. Right, he was, the, he was Queen Elizabeth I's sort of chief spy and a bit of a yeah. necromancer. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. He was, he had... It, it, some of these people are extremely amazing, just in in their own right, not not including 
that this organization they were a part of. It was amazing. And, you know, if, if it were up to me, I would list at least Francis Bacon as one of our founding fathers just because he's the guy who kind of brought it all together, formed it, and they put it into action. Fascinating. But, but Jesse was tapped into all of this, too. What a learned man he was. Yes. He, he, was in, he was deeply involved in this, and it's obvious through just the fact that the treasures he buried that are known to have been buried by him fall on the exact same template, exactly where they should be, and, and that are also tied in with all these other treasures. And going back to the Tree of Life, you know, from John Dee, it goes through alchemists, Rosicrucians, Leonardo da Vinci, is even in, he's even included in this. And I tied all these people together, not just randomly, they all had personal and professional connections to one another. It goes through them back to Paolo Rizzio, who wrote the book uh, Porte Lucis, which means Gates of Light. That was a translation of a, of a rabbi's work who lived prior to him. And there's a secret map on the cover of that book with the Tree of Life. And the hidden map and the tiles of the floor on the illustration match up perfectly with, with the map, a world map at that time showing the, the eastern coast of the United States, Canada, Central America, and parts of South America. Uh, and, that, and then, you know, I went further back from him through Maximilian I, the emperor, Paolo Riccio, who, who wrote that book and supplied the hidden map on the cover, was also a physician to Emperor Maximilian. Um, then it goes from them back through different Jewish rabbis all the way to Rashi, who was a favored court guest of, of uh, Hugh Count of Champagne, who was one of the founders of the Knights Templar. It's, it's almost dizzying uh, it in, its, in its scope, and it would appear that Jesse James was no ordinary train robber, that's for sure. Uh, people can read all about this in Jesse James and the Lost Templar Treasure, Secret Diaries, Coded Maps, and the Knights of the Golden Circle. Daniel, very quickly, how do people get a copy of the book? Uh, innertraditions.com, they have, they're my publisher. You can get it through Barnes & Noble or Amazon or basically anywhere books are sold. All right, I've linked up to that. Uh, they can click on the name of the book on the uh, the website. Just go to strangeplanet.ca and then find the uh, the page for this program, The Conspiracy Show. And they can click on your name right there, and that'll take you to uh, Daniel's website. Daniel, thank you so much. Great speaking with you again. I really appreciate this, and thanks for the opportunity. I had a pleasure talking with you. My pleasure, indeed. All right, thank you. Back next week, a seance will reach out to my late partner, our Gary Patterson. Owen Wolf, Ryan, uh, thank you, Ryan White, back next week, as I say. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark speak of the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite, I'm coming home.